радио Capital FM и нашу любимую рубрику «Слова и выражения, которым вас не учили на уроках английского». Capital FM, you are the best. This is Capital FM, Moscow, 105.3. The latest news now. Moscow's only English-speaking hit music station. Capital FM. News. Then it's St. Petersburg striker Alexander Kakurin and Krasnodar midfielder Pavel Mamayev will spend Christmas in prison after being remanded in custody to await trial on charges of assault, which occurred after a night spent drinking. The pair were detained in October over an alleged drunken attack on a civil servant in a Moscow cafe and a separate assault on a driver earlier on the same day, the latter leaving the victim with brain damage after suffering a series of blows to the head. In other news, Hovrina Station or the Green Line of the Moscow Metro will be closed this weekend to allow the newly built Bilamorskaya Station to be connected to the system. Hovrina Station will be closed to passengers on the 8th and the 9th of December. Services will be back to normal at 5.30 a.m. on Monday. Bilamorskaya Metro Station is expected to open by the end of the year. Utility prices in Moscow will rise on average by 1.7% from January as a result of inflation, according to an Interfax News Agency report. Moscovites are expected to pay 1 ruble and 19 kopecks more per square meter for general building repairs. Also, the cost of heating, electricity and gas will rise by up to 4.5%. If you want to shoot fireworks off yourself over the New Year holidays, there is a total of 38 specially designated places to launch your own fireworks in Moscow. Only two launch sites are located in central Moscow in Tagansk and Krasnoye Presny parks, while the rest of the sites are in the outskirts of the capital. Victoria Museum of Moscow will open an exhibition of old and antique Christmas tree ornaments on the 21st of December. The display will feature more than 500 exhibits dating back to the 18th century from traditional baubles to small glass figurines. It is currently five points out of possible ten on the roads. Driving time to and from Vanukova Airport is about one hour and ten minutes both ways. Fifteen minutes to Shremetiva, about the same to the city over an hour to the Madiadova. One hour and five minutes from the airport to the city centre. Eight degrees Celsius in Amsterdam, nine in Dublin, two in New York. It is cloudy here in Moscow, the temperature hovering around zero. That's it from me, Yule Bokva. Do stay tuned for more. With Alan Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Kappa Sports here on December. Oh my God, it is December. It's hard to think that is that we've already got that time of year already. As I say, Game of Thrones winter is coming, but winter is well and three upon us here in Moscow because last week we froze our little selves almost to pieces covering the Galatasaray game, of course. A, you know, a huge win for, for Lokomotiv Moscow. Sets them up with a bit of a chance now to get into the Europa League uh, stage next year. But again, they have to go away and win in Germany against Gelsenkirchen. I better say that my name is Alan Moore. This is Capital Sports, live and loud from Moscow. We have a terrific show coming up. We have, we gave a teaser out last week with something that we're going to bring up and go into a little bit more detail about, and that is um, a person who sat astride or stood astride the world of cycling, claiming to be free, fresh and completely clean, but uh, not always as it seems as we found out ourselves with our own investigation. Okay, so... 
Coming up in the show today, we have a chat about Russian football, uh, uh, English football, of course, as well. We will also then catch up on some of the stranger elements around the world of sport. I am on my own, as I said, so I will have Peter P and Alex Peter be phoning in. Andy McLean, of course, you on the phone as well. But first, we're going to go all the way to two men, to Mr. Andrew McLean. Andrew, uh, Andrew McLean, Andrew Flint, my goodness. Andrew, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad, not too bad, thanks, Alan. Looking forward to a busy night tonight and the weekend coming up, but not too bad over here, thanks. That's very, very good. Listen, um, so we, we have, we've had a, a week of uh, European week behind us. We have, of course, then, uh, obviously tonight we've got the uh, Russian Cup, but uh, listen, t- just to, just I'm just looking at United's performance point of view and how people are losing faith and so on. You know, I mean, if you're rating it out of ten, how how did United perform? Uh, well, uh, I give two ratings. One for Mourinho's end of it, um, picking a midfield three with three defensive midfielders, effectively. Um, that that gets. A, Oh, I don't know, maybe a three or four, but the players that were on the pitch, Fellaini is, is proving to be a player who actually wants to play for the club. I mean, I know this is getting fairly desperate, but that's a valuable thing at the moment. So, on an individual level, some of the other players would have been better, but oh, it was a very, very uninspiring, middling performance at best. Against, look, I don't need to be disparaging to young boys, but they're not... They're not Juventus, they're not Valencia. At home, we should be destroying a team like the Young Boys. And it was it was injury time so we could get the winner. So, disappointing. I mean, there was a decent crowd here, like it was seven, over 70,000 people in at the match. So, mm. you know, I, I had expected, and people were fearing that there would be a massive drop-off, but the fans are still going. I mean, they're still, they, you know, it, like, yeah. if they're back in a club, and in that respect, back in the manager as well. So, I mean... Is it getting harder now to sort of move on? I mean, like, will will they be able to, uh, let's say, grasp the nettle? Like, will the will the Glazers will they grasp the nettle and get rid of Mourinho, or will they just sort of let it roll on? Well, I, I think you make a very good point. There, the, I expected there to be a drop off for this sort of thing, but there hasn't. There was a large portion of United support that are using it as a bizarre opportunity to prove their worth as fans, as if to say, look, we're backing our manager, other clubs, other fans don't, you know, they, they chant Wenger out at every opportunity, for example. Um, and I think they're doing their, they're doing themselves a disservice because that's proving the opposite, in my view. As a fan, you have to hold the club accountable in your own way. And I don't think these fans are doing that. So the Glazers, in their position, is getting stronger. They'll think, well, look, there's still support for the manager, therefore we won't pay millions to get rid of the man um, so yeah I think it is going to get more difficult to um, to relieve him of his duties I, I don't think Glazers want to anyway but they'll use this as a reason to back their, their back and forth well I mean okay if we, if we look at that I mean the, the last time there was that kind of like you know yanks out and so on they didn't want uh, a takeover a bunch of United fans went away and set up their own club FC United of Manchester who are you know they, they moved at the ranks and so on and they, they did well why is that not there right now, Andrew? Because, I mean, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, that FC United were a thing. Well, yeah, I mean, they... I mean, they, the most famous example, obviously, is FC Wimbledon. They really have done well getting up into the Football League. And I think FC United have managed to have almost hit a bit of a ceiling. And actually, I think the, the way the class of 92 back Salford has possibly damaged them a little bit because that's taken away a fair bit of the... I don't know, the, the, the ones on the edge wondering, well, who shall I support? Um, so that sort of movement at the time was, in my opinion, very justified. It didn't matter how far up the league they went because it wasn't trying to replace a club. 
that they felt had been stolen from them. They were just simply, we just don't want to be part of that anymore, what the Glazers had turned the club into. Um, and at this stage, it's, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think our agenda is the same. I don't think it's, well, we're not trying to compete because nobody ever could start clubs from scratch and compete with Manchester United. But that element of support that seems to be building at the moment, it just, it, it, dis- it would disappoint me as a neutral. I mean, if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd laugh at it, of course. But, <laughs> you know, you, you, you'd want fans, like I say, you want the fans' role, in my view, and they do have a role, is to hold clubs accountable, and they're not doing that. Well, I mean, if we look at it just here at home here in, uh, in Russia, I mean, you know, Spartak mm. fans, I mean, they might whinge and mouth off, but at the same time, they still turn out and they still, you know, they'll, they'll whoever yeah. comes in with money, they'll be like, oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Like, they're kind of like these, you know, pretty young girls on the side and then some rich guy rolls in with a, with a, with a jag and a wallet full of cash and that's it. They're, they're, they're smitten. I mean, <laughs> but that, that's a lot of the football fans. There's very few football fans who would actually stand up against it. And even as we're seeing in Germany, uh, you know, mm. there isn't that sentiment as there... Well, there never was a sentiment, really, because usually football fans just, you know, want success. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, uh, perhaps what I'm really getting at is that I think this is what football, football fans should become. I think one example... I know you mentioned Germany. I One thing I like is how the German fans protested against the Monday night fixtures in the Bundesliga, and I think I'm right in saying that they either are going to stop that in the future or have already stopped it um, at the, in the top flight. That sort of thing is sort of, well, that's what, it's, that's what it should be there for. Um, I think a lot of the noises that Liverpool fans have made um, in the past with previous American owners um, have made their situation uncomfortable enough for them to want to get out and they've got in much better owners. That sort of thing, are examples of where fans can do enough. But I, I agree with you, Anne, you're right. It's actually very rare to find examples of that. Um, but for a club of our size, we, I can't understand how it's not possible. Yeah, I, I mean, in fairness, I mean, United have always been that, that, that club who had a, oh, great potential, they never took off, and then all of a sudden then money did come in, money did push them ahead, but there's still, there is that element in the fans who really, you know, I don't know, they have a very, very weird vision of, of, of how it works. Okay, look, look, looking back very, very briefly at uh, last week's Champions League action, just, just want to pick it up. I mean, CSK Moscow going down 2-1. We spoke, well, we didn't really speak about them last week, um, but, you know, it was kind of a bit of an embarrassment. Losing at home to Victoria Pilsen, that's a, that's a terrible loss, isn't it? Oh, so it was devastating, absolutely devastating. I mean, it, on a number of levels, I mean, this could have been potentially one of the famous campaigns in group stage, recent memory at least, for Tesco, because we, we, we all know they're never realistically going to challenge the Champions League at all. Um, I mean, that's no, there's no shame in that. But that performance against Real Madrid, the performance against Roma at home, both of those were just, they were fantastic, they were exhilarating performances. And I actually think, for the large part, against Pilsen, the, the youngsters who have come in, they, again, were full of energy. They looked confident on the ball. It was just in that final third. Um, but just on paper, the result is, oh, God, like I say, it's, it's such a galling blow because I think, realistically, that's them out of Europe altogether. Um, and I just... Uh, it's just such a shame. They, this was a side at the beginning of the season, and I thought would probably struggle to even qualify for Europa League. With you did say that. You, you actually said that, that that even with the with the you know the retirements, the players they lost, yeah. with the changes, with the well, the financial issues that they faced, and bringing young players back in from loan. But they've really done well. I mean, they've they've you know they've got oh. a very good coach, a coach who I rate very very highly. 
um, mm-hmm. and you know it's it, it's good. But listen, looking down, then we had of course then uh, we were out there covered with uh, Capital Sports out at the Airgid Arena when Lokomotiv finally got some mm-hmm. points on the board. But they yeah. they, they were it was still I mean even though they won there were huge question marks being asked about where players were being played. I mean, they had Ignatiev, you know, back playing defence, Rebo's playing defence. It was very, a very strange 5-4-1, but like a five-man defence with two wide men. It, it it was a very odd formation, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I think it kind of smacked of, well, I don't know, not desperation, but sort of ultra-conservatism in a way. Um, I mean, we mentioned, we've talked about this group before, how, you know, on paper it's one of the most, probably arguably one of the most competitive groups. Um, and yet Galatasaray clearly would be the, the weak link there. It's exactly the sort of game where you need to be, need to be attacking. I mean, if, if there had been a draw, well, what's the, what's the value of a draw? Absolutely nothing. Um, they yeah. needed to go for the win, and in the end, okay. Um, two knows a decent result on paper, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, Alan. Um, I think um, I think having the likes of um, uh, Dinov, uh coming back to Loka, I was hoping to see more of him. I don't know if he's injured or struggling with confidence issues or something, but um, I would have liked to see him have a shot. Perhaps I don't know. It's just that more adventure was needed. Yeah, I mean, they brought on. Uh Boris Frontenberg at the end of the game for the last four or five minutes and there was a huge I mean the cheers are in the stadium 14,000 people in the stadium huge reaction to it I mean fair enough I mean I've I, I think Boris is and I've spoken written this before he's good enough to for some clubs I mean okay he's getting older now um, but you know I remember seeing him back in the day and well, about six seven years ago and he was moving around and I was like he could do a good job at you know for example if he played with a Premier, Premier Division team in the League of Ireland He'd be an outstanding player, but in Russia, he doesn't. You know uh, the way they play here. It just, you know, he's never going to. And of course, his name goes against him as well. But um, I mean, mm. look, 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 I, I agree with Jamaladinov because when I remember seeing his last game for Lokomotiv against Mordovia Saransk in front of five thousand, it was the last game of the Samarovskaya regime. And I mean, he was mm. a terrific. He lit up the pitch every time he got on the ball. He was great. Yeah. But again, Sjoman is never going to trust that kind of player. And we we discussed it. We said like, you know, what's going to yeah. happen? But he just keeps, seems to keep buying himself an extra week, doesn't he? he just keeps a, when you think he's gone, he's yeah. like a zombie or something. I don't know. You can't get rid of him. <laughs> Sorry, no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's, he, he he really does. Though he has that sort of irritating knack of just making that hang on. I mean. Uh, I don't know. I think the problem with Jim Litvinov would also be that to fit him into the side, he'd probably have to change the... I mean, you talk about the formation, where the players are playing, it sort of ties into that. He'd have to change quite a lot to fit him in. Yeah. I think, um, well, obviously with five at the back, it just there is no place for him, really, no. um, to get the best out of him, unless he was reinvented in the way that um, uh, Akvatov, it was like Akvatov was reinvented by Goncharenko at first yeah. Um But I don't think that would get the best person. He needs to be running directly at players. Like you say, when he lights up the pitch, there are very few that are quite as good as him. But okay. the guy is, what, is he, is he 20 now, 21? I I, he I've turned 21 much. when he came back, yeah, because he was 19, I think, when he, when he, when he sold to Ruby and actually yeah. went on a free. But, uh, listen, listen, just go to, uh, just quickly, because we're going out in a couple of minutes. Um, a couple of other decent, like strange results. Leon two two at home to Man City. That's that's a slipper for for City, isn't it? 
Absolutely, and um, I enjoyed every moment of that with um, <laughs> ex United man Agent Rafael da Silva doing his doing his duty. Um, but yes, no, it's um, Leon are they're one of those sides that I, you know, what ten years ago they were flying for Europe with Juninho with the free yes, kicks and, yeah. and Lacazette on when he was well, I suppose he is now back on form, but when he was really bursting through. Um, but yeah, it's a, it is a bit of a slip up. Um, City's sort of odd relationship with UEFA is continuing. Yeah. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's a strange one. I didn't I didn't expect City to have any problems in their group, but um, I'm delighted it's, it's to be still, on. And uh, talking about like your dodgy Middle Eastern owners, uh, PSG beating Liverpool two <laughs> one. I mean that that was hard to say because Liverpool battered them that last like fifteen minutes ago when it was all Liverpool. Yeah, I mean the, the the thing with PSG, I'm I'm more on the anti Neymar fence. I'll be honest. I know a lot of people support him and say, "Well, he's the most proud player." It's like, well, if you count it in number of free kicks given against him, he's an expert at winning them. I, exactly. I personally think there's there's a line to be drawn. I understand the point of view. Flair players do attract fouls, however soft, but he doesn't help himself. And I think that was the problem with with PSG. They um, they could have made it. They could have put it out of sight. Um, before Liverpool came back but yeah that was um, I don't think Liverpool should be too disheartened by the result in one sense just simply because PSG do have the talent but um, I think they could have sniffed an opportunity there had they been more cohesive from the beginning and I think their midfield didn't help um, yeah, that's true. That's they, true. they could have had more more creativity there but anyhow OK listen Andrew Flynn from Ryan Dog Football thank you very much for your time we'll, uh, well, we'll talk to you again very very soon that's going to be a regular thing so thank you so much Andrew Cheers. Thank you very much. Okay, so that was Andrew Flynn from Rotterdam Football. We're going to go to the break right now. Uh, we're going to let, let's, let's just warm ourselves up here on this lovely first Wednesday in December here in Moscow. We're going to have Major Laser and light it up. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. <laughs>
guest. Hey, this is Becky Hayes. Listen to the BCM Radio Show every Friday on Capital FM Moscow 105.3. Every Friday at 1am on Capital FM Moscow. I like the way you do your Возникли проблемы? Являетесь обманутым вкладчиком? Задерживают зарплату? Не выплачивают элементы? Страховая не возмещает ущерб? Проблемы по вступлению в наследство? Земельные споры? Конфликты с застройщиками? Некачественно оказали услугу? Внимание! Городской департамент защиты прав человека проводит бесплатные юридические консультации и предоставляет весь спектр юридических услуг. Позвоните по телефону и доверьте свою проблему профессионалам. 8 4 9 5 205 14 14 8 4 9 5 200 Okay, welcome back, folks. Part two of Capital Sports. It's Wednesday, December 5th here in snowy and cold Moscow. It hasn't turned to slush yet, but that is coming up quite soon. Right, so we had Andrew Flint on the last part, and we got a message in the meantime just asking, uh, you know, what what, what do we think here? Well, it's you, well, I guess it's me. What do I think uh, should have been done when there were petrol bombs being thrown at the AEK Athens uh, game with Ajax um, Amsterdam? Of course, Ajax won that 2-0, but there was terrible, terrible uh, incidents during the game. Both sides at fault. UEFA fined both sides and are investigating as well. I mean, it looked terrifically dangerous, like when you have a petrol bomb being thrown inside a football stadium. I've only seen it once before um, at a game with uh, was Dundalk and Linfield when I saw a Linfield fan with a, a, a glass milk bottle uh, filled with petrol and he lobbed it over a fence. Now, people said that that... You know, they didn't think that that happened, but it did, and I saw it myself. I also saw it as well when Derry City fans came to Dublin and they started stoning uh, Bohemians fans or something. It was like very, very strange in the late 80s, but you know, that, that was Ireland at the time. Now, in just a minute, we're going to go to Alex B because he's away, he's after gathering up some information for us. Uh, another little bit of information as well from uh, last week's football course against. Um, the Lokomotiv Galatasaray game. Uh, one thing that was brought up to us there was that why do we not play more, uh, well, let's just say, um, you know, pump up music? I say, well, I thought we did. So we will. We'll play out the song with a real pump up one, and we've gotten it from a movie. And I think uh, we will have a quiz next week. If you can tell us what that movie is, write into us. What was that movie? Write into us on Capital Sports. We'll give you a little bit of a prize. Okay, we're going to go right away to Alex B, who's on the phone. Alex, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? Very good indeed. Listen, Alex, we're going to go through uh, fairly, you know, a, a couple of small little interesting things that you wanted to bring up. One was about a team in Ireland called Ballybrack FC. Something strange happened there last week. All right. They, um, so, uh, for all those of you that didn't uh, know this happened, uh, um, so, from what I understand, they wanted to have a game. Oh, sorry. They, they wanted to get out of, the, of a game, and, and, and um, they couldn't find a better excuse than to fake a death of a uh, player. Hold on, and hold on, hold on, hold on. They they didn't want to play a game against whoever it may be, and they said yeah. that one of their players died. Yeah, and they didn't tell. They told him that they're going to be like, "Hey, listen, there's going to be. We're going to say that you got in a car crash, whatever." And he <laughs> thought they were going to say, "Hey, he got like injured." <laughs> and, yeah. So, so okay, okay, go on, go on. So he was like watching the TV or whatever, and he just saw the. Like a coverage of his death, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> so you, you must you must really not want to like participate in a game if you're willing to go with that part. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, there, there there are players sometimes on a team. I mean, we know them on the Moscow Sermons that we would like to kill, to like just just to kill, just to put them out of misery. But at the same time. <laughs> So this team in Ireland, Ballybrack, they're playing, the, I think, the Leinster Senior League, it will be. Uh, and so they faked the death of a player. But there was another twist as well, because he wasn't an Irish player and he wasn't in Ireland at the time. All right, yeah, that's true. He was, he was a Spanish player and I think he doesn't play for that team anymore. So, um, here, all I know is it's, I find it strange why he's so like fine with it because he kind of like laughs it off. Uh, I know that if this was happening in like a bigger like league and like the like NBA, like Premier League, like NFL, if this was happening in the states, there'd be like thirty lawsuits going on right now. Like I don't know. What that <laughs> could you could you imagine if that was like you know uh, I don't know Steph Curry doesn't want to play for the the, the Warriors or something like that or the the Warriors want to play against the, the right no it, <laughs> and they fake Steph like, Curry's death not a, not a sport Alan can you imagine if like a capital fans didn't want to have like a show this week so they tell you that like hey we're gonna say that pretend that you died and well and actually no hold on Alex that you're getting too close to the bone because <laughs> don't give them excuses to get us off the air <laughs> they will use it I do I do I can say that my my um I remember one time at the end of there was a teacher parent meeting in my in my well for my sister in her class and my par- my parents went in and the teacher was sitting there kind of smiling on her face because my sister uh, apparently had killed off uh, three grandmothers, two grandfathers, oh, uh, a brother. <laughs> and she basically like was like skipping school and saying that like this person died, this person died. My my mom broke her leg. It was like we we're the most unfortunate. It was like a like oh my god Game of Thrones yeah, in our family. Different. It's different. It's much different on this like professional athlete like level. That's it's true. Like, and, and there was like um, what I forgot to mention there was actually they had like a silence like they had, they had like a moment of silence for like. Oh, go away. <laughs> so, like and, like this player, he's like alive, home, and like well, like. So other te- other teams are having a minute silence in his memory, and he's just sitting at home watching this on TV. That's- yeah, and like every team in that league posted like a tweet saying that they're like condolences to like this player's family. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Listen, we're on to something a bit more serious. Um, uh, you have a bit of a, an update on that whole Sergio Ramos doping thing, where he was refusing to take tests and so on. So, what, what's what's what, what was what was happening there, Alex? Oh, here's way more different because he's actually like a player for like the for like a big league for a big team. So, um, yeah, honestly, like we've seen this story several times. Like this happens very often. They say that he has doping. He say that he doesn't. He posted like a giant like. Um, I don't know what it was. He posted like something on Twitter or whatever. He said that he's like against doping. He's never, he would never do that. And so the first time he failed, the second time he took a shower before his blood test, and they say that it's against the rules. Oh. So like I don't know what's going on here. Well, I mean, yeah, I think in Spain, uh, as far as I know, taking a shower before drug tests is like avoiding a drug test as well. So, okay, well, let's let's watch the spaces. I know you'll keep an eye on that. Um, so I think yeah. anything else wider exciting with you? Um, yeah, I want to um, ask one second. I want to ask, uh, yep. so we were going to cover this in the studio, but can you ask me, oh, can you tell me, sorry, why the guy who was in charge of the world cycling was telling people to buy drugs? Okay, that's what, yeah, yeah, sorry, that's a good question. I know we were going to cover it in the studio. Um, so, listen, this, well, okay, I'll, I'll very, very briefly say it like this. So, there's a guy who's, who, well, was the head of world cycling, uh, not Pat McQuaid, a man called Brian Cookson from the UK, 
Now, we mentioned this last week on the show, kind of as a little bit of a teaser, that uh, we've spoken with people inside who had dealt with them, where this guy had a, a consultancy. Now, he was always about clean cycling, clean, clean cycling. He had built up British cycling from when they wore, won, I think, one bronze medal to be basically winning all medals in the Olympics in cycling. Um, like, doing amazing. Then he helped set up Team Sky, um, and they have, like, had their issues. And, uh, of course, then he's been operating as a consultant and telling people, um, a number of different people, who to go to, what doctors to work with, and charging for it as well. So even though he was head of the governing body for cycling, supposed to be rooting out doping, he was actually helping promote it. He was saying, look, go to this doctor. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, Alex, I mean, we discussed this in the studio. I mean, like, if this was a, a, a Russian dude, you know, like when, you know, it, he'd be gone in jail. Oh no no yeah, one's, yeah. yeah, no one's such a, I know, it's really strange. Listen, Alex, we're going to let you go, but listen, you'll be back in with us next week in any case. I will, yeah. That's great. Listen, Alex B., thank you very, very much. Have a good evening and stay warm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, that was Alex B. Our, normally he's in the studio with us. Uh, and we're going to go now in just a minute to uh, Peter P. He is he has a, an update himself as well. So we're, we're trying to make this a nice bumped up show for you tonight. And lots, lots of pumping up as well. So just a little bit of recap on that, that cycling story. So we have uh, a very good inside source who's gone on the record and gone through it. And we'll actually put it out as well on a podcast. Um, that he had dealt with uh, Brian Cookson, who, of course, I think he's, he's an OBE or he's a sir or something like that, uh, over in the UK. And that he was getting information on who to go to and who to speak with and how to basically, you know, cheat the system or game the system. So, you know, when you have the person who's at the top of the governing body in the world doing that, uh, I don't know. We should be asking questions. I mean, people far better journalists than I should be asking questions. Okay. Right. Peter P., you are ready to go. How are you doing? Hey, hello, how are you doing? Very good. Listen, Peter, uh, first off, what's new with you? What's, what's happening on the wires? So, uh, recently, well, I've, I've been, uh, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm doing an internship right now at Ukraine, and I've, I've prepared a very cool story for you, actually. Cool, okay. Uh, you, you know that, like, everybody, like, uh, everybody thinks it's pretty easy for big clubs to uh, do away games, well, it actually turns out it's it's not. It's actually a lot. A lot goes into that. So basically, so when it, when a when they say a pro team, I don't know, Arsenal, Liverpool, or well, Spartak or local well, team, yeah, they travel away. Yeah, like like a team with big budgets, like uh, like like Man United, uh, Chelsea, like or Real Madrid. So. Uh, well, uh, I, I've, I've heard a couple stories working uh, at, the, at the hotel. For example, uh, recently, uh, Man United, they played CSKA last, uh, uh, I think, last year. Yeah, I think it was, I was at the game yeah, in October, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, people have me, like, they were telling me stories of how, like, so much like needed to be done in order for them to come. Like, and every point had to be, like, uh, had to be met. Uh, I believe because the the players like the food the food is just in, like it's insane how much uh, time and like goes into like preparing all the food like because they they have like set meals for like every meal they have uh, even like snacks they have like set snacks that they need to be like uh, that need to be cooked and uh, what, what's interesting is actually the the food needs to be cooked uh, in the way that they want to actually they, they, they I remember somebody told me they for like one of the meals I think it was like dinner they had uh, chicken or something they, had, they, need, they need to serve uh, 
chicken to players. And so that's why the chef from England to uh, uh, here, just so we can show how to prepare chicken. No way. So, so they flew in a chef. They flew yeah, in their own chef. chef. Yeah, of uh, uh, Man United. Unbelievable. Crazy, right? I mean, I mean... Uh, sorry, what? Go ahead. No, I was going to say that they, they leave nothing, nothing whatsoever to chance. No, no, not at all. Uh, even even like the the table, like the, the, the sitting is already set. Like uh, I've seen uh, how like, Atletico, when Atletico Madrid came, they uh, they had like a set seating with like, they, 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 they had like a diagram. I mean, not a diagram. They had like a, a picture of how the tables need to be set up. So they had like one round table for all like the staff, and then two long tables for the players. And then they had, every single meal had to be like uh, with with a seating, like, and they had to have like those tables set up. It's insane. Like, and then they have to have a massage room. They have to have a stretching room. Uh, they have to have a, a, like a, a meeting room, I believe, as well. Like all of these, like it's just I don't know, it's just crazy to me. And I mean, what, in terms of like with uh, bedrooms, were there any kind of things that you want? Like, do you want to like you know Xboxes or something in the bedrooms? Any 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 requirements for the players? <laughs> well, I haven't heard, but I think if they, if they, if the players want, then that then the hotel provides, of course. Well, I, I remember when the Huddock uh, Split were playing over in Ireland. They were playing. They were staying in a five-star hotel, but they, they made a mistake where the game was being played in a place called Talca Park, which is on the north side of the city. And the Huddock guys who had played for, or some of the guys who played for the Croatian team, uh, thought it was going to be played at Lands End Road or now called the Aviva, which is on the south side of the city. And they decided to pick a hotel literally walking distance to the Lands End Road Stadium, the big, big stadium, not knowing or not actually listening to me when I said, "No, we're not playing to the stadium." So it took instead of like you know what they they figured would be like a five minute walk to the stadium it took them an hour and a half in like uh, afternoon traffic so yeah I guess everything comes in by the wow. way um, what about security any any word on security uh, when teams are staying there oh actually yeah uh, good question uh, all, all like the, the top clubs they they uh, they're very strict about like their security like the the, the security in, in the hotel for example uh, I don't know if you heard but uh before Man United played with CSKA, I think Chelsea uh, was was having was having an away game here, and they were staying at like Ritz Carlton, like while the whole like the the bombing craze was going on, like well, well, like when people would call in and uh, say oh. that like, oh, we planted the bomb and such and such place, and like, uh, yeah, and so uh, Chelsea was staying at Ritz Carlton, and uh, somebody called in, and said that they planted a bomb there, so Chelsea. Went outside, like the, the the players went outside, and they that's that to stay like in in the uh, in the cold for like I don't know like two or three hours. Oh my they were, god! Like, wrapped in, yeah, everybody was saying like, like they were like wrapped in blankets and uh, oh well, like when when Men United came to our hotel, they were like uh, they asked for a twenty four hour they, they they asked for a, a bus like parking spot. Uh, and and the, the bus was gonna like stay near the hotel for like twenty four twenty four hours like the whole time they were just in uh, case there's a bomb scare or yeah, something. They, they were at the hotel like, just just in case something like that happened, so the players wouldn't be like outside standing in the cold. Christ like, everything everything was like uh, thought out. Perfect. Listen, before we let you go, uh, you have one quick thing about uh, Rocky. So uh, Rocky yeah. is hanging up his gloves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like. A couple hours ago, like I checked my Instagram feed and I like 
uh, I stumbled upon a video when uh, it was I think it was on Michael B. Jordan's page. Uh, it was just like Rocky was saying that like uh, that that his his is no longer. Uh, He's no longer. He's not going to appear as Rocky on the big screen anymore because, well, first of all, a new story is, is beginning with uh, Creed or Michael B. Jordan. So he doesn't want to. I don't know. He doesn't want to intervene in that. In, so that's he's, in, he's stepped uh, away. His story. So he wants like another story to unfold. Plus, like uh, he said himself, like he thought that Rocky was over at like 2006, and then it like it, it sort of rebooted itself. And so he he says that like no nah, like my story's already been told. Uh, I'm yeah, just going to take a step back and let the story unfold. Perfect. Uh, Listen, basically said. Perfect, Peter. We're going to wait to the break, but thank you very, very much. You stay warm, and we'll catch up with you next week. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Okay, that was Peter P. We're going to the break. We're going to calm it down just a little bit from uh, away from the boxing ring. We've got the script and the break even. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
praying to a God that I don't believe in. Cause I got time while she got freedom. Cause when a heart breaks, no, it don't break. No, it don't break. No, it don't break even. Though. What am I gonna do when the best part of me goes to What am I supposed to say when I'm all choked up that you're okay? Just by turning the key, you also have to sort of go, like, oh, there's like, there's like an element of that, like, you know. Oh, British we people. We gave you a language. Oh, British For God's people. sake, I wish you'd use it. <laughs> Every Thursday at 9 p.m., Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman on Capital FM Moscow. Are you serious? <laughs> you got a big one. The one and only English speaking station in Moscow. Capital. With Alan Moore. Okay, folks, this is Capital Sports on Moscow's wonderful Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore, and this is our last segment of the evening, this lovely cold winter's first December Wednesday. It's very, very hard to try and believe. And I know uh, a friend of mine, Steve, he'll, he, he, he'll, he listens to us all the time, and he'll always say that we are kind of downplayed the cold here. Well, do you know what? Last week at the uh, Locomotive Arena was just absolutely bitter cold, and we, we, were, we were sent to the wrong entrance, had to walk back around and Literally, my ears fell off, so I need to try and buy myself a hat. Um, just uh, while we were away, we got a couple of quick messages in. One from Masha. Masha said to us that, uh, guys, love the chat, love the descriptions of what's going on. Um, love to hear more about the doping and cycling. Well, I said, Yo, Maria, we have to be careful what we say because we have named the people, we have given out the hints. We will make available the uh, the audio as well. We'll put it out on a podcast. Um, the only problem is a lot of people aren't really interested in it because when you're winning, like Sergio Ramos is, when you're winning, doing well, nobody really cares. So it's a bit of a, um, a problem with that. We have a message in from India, from Rahul. Rahul, yeah, oh, it is. He actually is from India, not from Moscow. Uh, so Rahul says that, uh, guys, when will he cover some cricket? good point you know it'll actually warm us up and we will cover cricket I think next week we probably will have a little bit of a chat about it with Andy when he's in the studio because he's, he's not in the studio but we'll get him on the phone in just one minute so uh, all is going well with us and just a quick word about the KHL Siska they're top of the Western Conference uh, they're well well in pole position to qualify now they probably won't because of course we know that after Mobilis they are in uh, from Yekaterinburg, they are flying and they are the most devastating team. We were told by um, Julius Gudicek, who is the 
Slovak keeper for the Spartak Moscow team he said that they are just absolutely awesome even though Spartak beat them uh, then in the top 8 so in the playoff positions we also have Spartak uh, Moscow and Dynamo Moscow so they're doing quite well they're hanging in there uh, the only problem is Vityas who are in Moscow Oblast uh, they are just outside the playoff zone right now but they have a chance to catch up right uh, one more oh actually we got another quick message in so one more message in is that uh, we're asking asked about last week we kind of we kind of touched on the Martin O'Neill subject uh, being fired and new man coming in of course Mick McCarthy um, I think we will actually ask uh, Andy McLean about it so we'll go straight away to the phone so Andy McLean how are you doing Good, how are you, Alan? Good, listen, we had a question in, it was from, it's from a Paul, whoever Paul is, and he's in Moscow, because it's a, Paul, your number is 985, plus 795, so this is, this is for you. So Paul asks, um, we, we touched very briefly last week on that uh, story with, um, you know, Mick McCarthy coming in and so on. Um, I actually missed, because I had to listen back to it, and I missed the joke you said about um, Robbie Keane, loving every team that he's played with, that he's supporting from childhood. I actually missed that. I, I was I was actually smiling, and then I missed, oh, God, yeah. Because there's also a case that every time he goes to Stephen Bradley, who, of course, was a, a guest on our show, the uh, Shamrock Rovers boss, every time he went to, to train with Shamrock Rovers, people say, oh, when's he going to, when's he going to sign for Shamrock Rovers? Um, but listen, looking at it now, you know, with a, with a few, like, well, with a week now that's passed, what do you reckon? I mean, is Mick McCarthy, is he a good fit for Ireland? Will he, you know, kind of make them competitive again? Well, as, as we mentioned last week, I think, I think in many ways he is a good fit. He, he might seem like a, a bit of a strange appointment, but I think in terms of what, what he did at Ipswich and what he's done at other clubs where they haven't had money to spend and going on to the international stage, he obviously can't spend any money. I, th- I think he's always done a good job of rallying players round and making them commit to the cause. And international football, especially now when uh, perhaps a few of the players aren't actually Irish or perhaps don't want to play in friendlies, I think that's really a, a really important aspect of getting players motivated. Um, okay, like, where, where we're looking at cause people, like I heard Eamon Dunphy going on as, as usual and saying about like you know how much he's been paid and so on, but. Um, you know, between the jigs and the reels, payment for an international manager, okay, it might be good, but I mean, a lot, a lot of other international managers we know are making money off the back of their jobs that they don't kind of receive straight in, don't they? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's, there's an awful lot of pressure uh, being an international manager, and and I think if you take Gareth Southgate for example, to to actually be of value to a club he's going to have to perhaps win a World Cup or get to a final or win a major tournament or something for a big club to ever really look at him. And then if you take Mick McCarthy, perhaps stepping into the international arena, his next job, he might have to actually take a step down from the championship or look somewhere else in order to get back in unless he's very successful. And you only have a, a, a small number of games to prove that you're going to be successful. It's not a week, every, every like a weekly system. So therefore, if they're making extra money on the side or they're doing other bits, fair play to them. It's their livelihood. Um, as long as it's not a conflict of interest, then it's, it's. I think it's just a normal, humanly thing that anyone would do. What about when the manager or the coach uh, also has an agency? As long as that agency isn't impacting on your decisions of who you select over somebody that should be selected ahead of your player, then obviously that, yeah. 
that, that, that does become an issue, and we have discussed that one with Russia and a few weird decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it, it does come into play every so often. I mean, of course, with as we know with uh, Yuri Solomon, I mean, he he's rather too close to some agents and always looking for his own players, and that's kind of a, a, an issue that he has. But it's not him, of course. I mean, there's a lot of other players, even the current Hochel, the current uh, Dinamo uh, coach as well. There's questions to be asked around him and... You know what's going on. Um, listen, how- if the club's clever, if, if, if the club's clever and they can foresee this and they're aware, they, I'd imagine most of them will be aware that they have links to agencies. They can put that in the contract, fire them if need be. But what you what you reckon? Because we see in Lokomotiv uh, that they have Eric Stoffelshaus, who who we know uh, as sport director, and of course now Roman Shirokov is the sport director out on Dinamo. Um, so does it make sense? Does it make sense to try and? To have someone like that who's neutral, who basically negotiates with agents, who's not looking for, you know, a quick book like a lot of coaches seem to do, does that work or will it work here? Because it doesn't really work in England, does it? I'd, I'd, I'm not sure if it would ever really work on an, uh, at an international level because people will be called out and found out very, very quickly when these players aren't up to up to cut it. Uh, in terms of a club, obviously. If you're a Russian club and you're looking at building an agency where you might all of a sudden be able to attract a, a player who's playing in Europe that hasn't considered ever moving to Russia, that's obviously going to be a positive. But it's whether then those players adapt to the league, adapt to other things. There's so many factors to play into it that it could be positive, it could be negative. Largely, I mean, it just comes down to, to the players that are being selected and how successful the agency is. Okay, I mean, that, 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 that's a fair enough point. Um, you know, because if you look at the American model, like where they have like the, the general manager, okay, the owner, general manager, and then the coach. The coach is there to coach. Because I remember when, when I was playing and then I ended up being a player coach in Canada, um, when I said, I wanted to get this player, this player, and they were like, you'll, you'll play with what you have. Like, if you need a goalkeeper, tell us if you need a goalkeeper, we'll go find one for you. But I had no say whatsoever in actually... Selecting, uh, eventually I did. They gave me like two options, and you know it was kind of Tweedle Dumb and Tweedle <laughs> Awful, <laughs> like you know Tweedle Tweedle Cloth Hands, tweedle, you know. Tweedle, yeah, Tweedle P. Uh, yeah, like it was like Tweedle. I don't know what's that. That that. Uh, uh, anyway, I, I won't name names or keepers, but um, this this guy was just like he was like you know Jesus Christ. He had holes in his hands. He couldn't like he go up for a cross and that's it. Like he gets stuck, but. Um, you know, but this is the way that they work. They said, "No, you are the coach. You work with what we give you, and that's it." So, I mean, could that ever work in football here? Because it it, it does work in the MLS in America. I, I think you do, you do hear lower league managers in Europe talking about how this aspect has now very much changed, um, and how excited they are when they get the opportunity to actually be able to coach players into a new role. Um, I watched an interview with. Um, a former Australia international, Paul McGowan, last week, where he was talking about how he was trained to play left back, right back, and centre back because it made him more valuable to the club that he played for, and it also got him into a World Cup with Australia. Um, so that aspect of the game has largely gone in the top leagues, in the lower leagues, where there's not as much money being branded about. It, it really is still, you know, a case of improving what you've got. Okay, so it's a workhorse. No, that, that is fair enough. I mean, that's what we had to do in Canada. The club was actually bankrupt. Um, listen, Andy, just a, a couple of small things I wanted to bring up. We had questions raised about, like, uh, well, you know, Brian Cookson is the former head of, well, the UCI, the Globe and uh, Cycling Authority and so on. Um, 
what like I mean we, we, we were faced with a very difficult decision of what we can say and what we can't say about the man and his dealings and so on and so forth but you know do you think that you know when you've got like a, a person who has a who's at the top of a sport but then has a, an agency within that sport that is not always dealing in clean deeds shall we say not dirty deeds done they're cheap they're done very expensively <laughs> off to what like ACDC was saying about but do you think then that there, there should be questions asked and why are the media not asking such questions I, I think the biggest question there is forget the media why, why aren't the anti-doping agencies asking more questions of these people why, if, if, it's, if there's a history if there's a track record you would expect that these, these agencies these players these athletes would be tested more frequently than anybody else regardless of you know alright we have to do X you know it's, it's a random check I, I think you incorporate those people into the random check because they are a risk and the, the same in any other field if you're looking at uh, security uh, of a country this is the same thing effectively but in sport you're looking at the security of integrity so that focus I think always should be there if they've got a track record certainly you find when um, we saw uh, H Athens last week throwing a Molotov cocktail into oh, yeah, we discussed earlier on yeah 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 I mean throwing into, into, into uh, fans, fans and I then mean. this and then this sort of double standard of will they ban them for a few games will they play behind closed doors will they if, if that happens I think there has to be the same punishment for every single club regardless of who it is or what they're doing because that, that, that's that's like you know that's attempted murder I'm sorry but like I mean I've, it was you know, terrible wasn't it yeah, yeah I mean I really I was in shock listen quickly okay back on to, to European football we did discuss it very very quickly uh, or in depth I should say with, with uh, Andrew Flynn earlier on but that, that locomotive last week that, that win uh, as you said they needed to win you actually said last week they would win you said they needed to win the game as well um, they won it didn't look that impressive in doing it but um, how on earth you know I mean why were they not playing with that sort of intensity earlier on in the, in the group I mean I guess you always rise to the big occasions and I, I think actually playing at home last week and the weather conditions I mean the Turkish players wouldn't have been used to minus 9 minus 10 on the pitch I think that all played into their favour and they still got a chance of Europa League and I think yeah. maybe, maybe it comes down to the team talk maybe it comes down to whether their, their minds are set but they had a feeling of they had all their players back kind of thing they had Smolov, Farfan all starting and I think that gives the, the squad in general a bit of a boost and obviously it was their last home game and, and I think they wanted to sort of say give, give some pride back to the fans after um, disappointing results really Yeah I mean in the minus 10 temperatures I mean there's 14,000 over 14,000 there so it was, it was a damn good showing from Lockerbie fans well, well done to them uh, Listen come this weekend just very very quickly just looking at the, the Russian league alone uh, Siska home against Yenise so hopefully Siska won't uh, suffer the same fate as uh, Dynamo uh, Spartak Moscow away against Angie oh sorry that, that Siska game is on Saturday kick off is at 3 o'clock Lokomotiv home against Orenburg that kicks off at 5.30 Angie and Spartak that kicks off at 8 and on on Sunday, 2 o'clock, Dinamo at home against Ural. Now, we saw what Ural can do on the road, what they can do at Moscow as well. Um, which of those games involving the Moscow clubs do you kind of uh, have a little bit of a fancy for? And what would you, what would you uh, ask our people to put a tip on? I think the obvious one would be um, Tess Carr at home to Yenesee, but you probably wouldn't get much of a price on that one. Um, I think Dinamo too difficult to call at the moment they haven't been playing particularly well I can't see them picking up three points so perhaps 
going with a, a draw or a way win there against Dinamo might have slightly better value than, than, than going with one of the big guns from Moscow. Okay, so okay, that that is fair enough. That 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 does sort of uh, look like it could work out. Okay, so you're looking for an away win. Listen, over in the uh, the Premier League, of course, in England, uh, there are you know some nice kind of fixtures coming up. We had this Super Sunday, as you called it, last week, uh, but coming up this weekend on on Saturday. So you've got a full round of fixtures on Saturday, Sunday, and on Monday. Um, you know, no, nothing, nothing huge was jumping out of me there. But I looked at the Chelsea Man City match. You know, I, I actually didn't notice it until I was halfway down the page and went, Chelsea Man City kick off at eight thirty Moscow time. That that's surely worth a watch, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. This is um, make or break really for for Sari and Chelsea if, if they have ambitions of kicking on to win the league in his first season. They have to get three points. Man City, having slipped up again the week before against Lyon in the Champions League, I think they'll also be looking to get a bit of momentum back up again and it should be a really interesting tactical battle to see how both teams set up and how Pep Guardiola looks to outpass and outplay and outthink the uh, the Italian man who's known for his, his, his tinkering and tic-tacs even more than Ranieri. <laughs> more than a tinker man. Okay, what would you reckon? What, 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 what do you like in that game? What, what would you uh, ask our punters to put someone on? I think both teams to score would probably be not great value, but that that would be my my tip if if you can find a bit of value to it. Um, okay. Possible, I, I I could see it maybe getting a bit feisty, and certainly Man City and Pep Guardiola like to use their holding midfielders uh, to get up high and break quick countering possession football early, and that's exactly how Chelsea normally play. So I think there'll be a lot of bookings where they'll be trying to stop quick moves where the referee might brandish a yellow card for stopping a dangerous attack so, so maybe maybe over 3.5 or over 4.5 bookings there ok so over 4.5 bookings and both teams to score a nice little bit if you can uh, get your money on it ok Andy thank you very very much we'll, be, we'll see you in the studio next week we'll probably see you on Saturday evening as well at the uh, game Lokomotiv Orenburg great thanks Andy thanks. thank care. you Okay, that's Andy, who will be back in the studio with us next week properly. So we're going to go away and let you relax for the rest of the evening because uh, uh, big Russian Football Cup games all tonight. And we're going to go away, leave you with that song that's going to pump you up just a little bit more on this Wednesday night. Again, the first Wednesday in December. So stay warm, stay wrapped up, and we will talk with you next week. This is Feeder and Book Rogers. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.